You good with McDonald's? John Keaton asked his wife. He slowed the rental car and flicked on the left turn signal. The rain had been falling ever since their plane had landed two hours ago at the little regional airport in Tennessee, and there was a sloshing noise from beneath the tires when the headlights of an approaching pickup were distorted as the wiper blades swish-swooshed back and forth. Melissa sighed. You know I don't eat that crap. There's slime in the nuggets, and God only knows how much actual beef is in the burgers. We have to eat. Not at McDonald's. John slapped the turn signal off and accelerated harder than was necessary. We'll find somewhere else, John, Melissa said, sitting up in her seat, making a show of peering through the rain-splattered windshield in search of other dining options. This town has a population of like a thousand, John said, both hands gripping the wheel with white knuckles. I wouldn't be so sure. You're never sure of anything. What? Nothing. A mile up the road, they found a 24-7 diner. John loved diners because he liked to eat breakfast for dinner, so Melissa hoped the food would help to brighten his mood. But as he chomped on his bacon and forked his French toast into his mouth, not even the hint of a smile crossed his face, and their mealtime conversation was mundane at its best. Where is the man I married? Where is the man who would hold my hand across the table and act silly just because he loved to make me giggle? Darkness had completely fallen by the time they had finished their meal, and the rain continued. As they jogged across the parking lot, falling half-soaked back into the rental seats, Melissa thought the weather a perfect analogy for her marriage. Constantly dark and dreary. In the next few days, she hoped to find some sunlight. The motel was fifteen minutes from the diner, a long, run-down, one-story building with ten rooms facing the road. It appeared to have been built in the seventies and then forgotten. White paint flaked from the walls, leaving gray pockmarks, and weeds grew through the cracks in the concrete walkway. Two other cars were parked in the gravel lot, and as John pulled up to the front office door, he quipped, Do you think they offer turn-down service? The humor was so unexpected that Melissa forgot to laugh. John killed the headlights and the engine, and then went inside to check in. Room seven, he said when he returned, and Grandpa in there says we have to pay ten dollars if we lose the key. John held up a large silver key attached to a block of wood that had to be six inches long and was smeared with dirt and grime. Must be a problem. They laughed together, and Melissa couldn't understand why the moments like this came so infrequently and so unexpectedly. Her husband was still inside the man next to her, but it was as if he was trapped inside a block of ice, slowly and unsuccessfully trying to chisel his way out. John backed the car away from the office and parked in front of the door with a barely legible seven stenciled on its front. The room was small and smelled of mildew. Faded mud-brown carpet on the floor, rotary phone on a wobbly wooden desk. 
When John tried to turn on the heater beneath the window, it made a sound like it was shaking pebbles in a tin can, and then died. No way I'm taking a shower in there, Melissa said, emerging from the bathroom after using the toilet. And one of the bulbs above the sink is out. John ran his hands through his brown hair, still thick and with little gray, despite being a year away from fifty. Six feet tall, broad-shouldered, and only a bit of belly fat beginning to pull near his belt, Melissa still found him so handsome, even though she knew the gesture he'd made meant he was frustrated. The image of him standing there with his wet shirt and his bright eyes tugged at her heart.